Welcome to Precon Geeks, the podcast where precon folks geek out on all things pre-construction. Every week, we'll talk about trends impacting the construction industry and emerging tech. You can also tune in to hear exclusive interviews with industry experts. Excited to hear more? Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts now and visit www.beck-technology.com. Welcome to Precon Geeks, your home for all things pre-construction. I'm your host, John Reich, and I'm joined today by our own Grant Stucker. How are you guys? How are you doing today, Grant? Doing awesome, John. Thanks for having me on again. Appreciate it, as always. Yeah, it's always good to have you on. You're, you're a good voice on the on the scene with a, you know, know what's going on out there with all of our clients. So it's always good to have you on and talk with you about what's going on in Precon. So I... Um, I do want to start off just, we were on break last week for Thanksgiving, so I just wanted to see, how was your Thanksgiving, uh, Grant? It was great. It was great. So I'm I'm uh, in Denver, right? Um, and so my, my parents live actually up in the mountains towards uh, the Aspen area, if anybody's familiar with uh, Carbondale. Um, so it's... Um, uh, beautiful space out there. My they live out there with my uh, not with my but uh, close to my sister and her family. She's got three little kids, so uh, my family and and uh, um, them got together over Thanksgiving and same age kids as my kids, so everybody just plays nicely together and all that good stuff. So it was nice just to to see them. How about you? How what was your very, what was your plan last cool. week? Yeah, so we uh, I, I was off all last week, and uh, so the first part of the week we did uh, a camping trip with my kid scout troop. So that was fun, a little rainy, but uh, that's part of the experience. So it's all good. Um, nice. So we camped for a few days, and then uh, stayed visited my in laws down just south of Austin, and just hung out there for the week, and then came back and was very happy to see my Michigan Wolverines defeat the hated yeah. Ohio State Buckeyes this weekend. So that was sweet game. Sorry for everyone in Ohio, but uh, yeah. not really that sorry, actually. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah, it was a good it was a good week for me. So got uh, got to eat a lot of food, got to watch some some good games that I I was obviously very happy with the outcome. But uh, yeah, it's a good time. So that's awesome, man. Good. Now I'm trying to recover and get back to it. So that's, that's right. Same. Yeah. Monday morning came pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. So I've got a slew of emails. It's amazing. Even on a three day week. Yeah. Uh, the number of emails that can accumulate over that uh, short, for sure. short week. For so, sure. Three day holiday week too. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it was fun. But uh yeah, so now um so today I, we really wanted to have you on to, to talk about uh something that most of our, I think our clients and most of our listeners should identify with is what do you do to get yourself into a situation where you can get larger projects? So like if you're a GC and you're bidding work that's typically in the million dollar range and then you want to get into the five million dollar range like what are the steps that you would see to to kind of grow your company in that way and um be you know what do you have to do to be able to get start being considered for those larger jobs so what i mean you've you worked as a gc in your past life so yeah what, what did you guys do to, to kind of grow your business in that way um i mean there's so much to unpack out of that because um you know even when i kind of brought was was in the in the mix of it we were already doing pretty large work but i think um to go after new projects that maybe we we weren't a heavy market share in that specific product type um or it was just a very very large project you know there's a few things that i think that that we we needed to make sure that we had um you know this kind of doesn't talk necessarily along the track of 
already doing large projects. Like if you're already doing large projects, this is not really that what we're who we're talking to, because you probably already have the resume for it. I mean, owners are are requesting you to be a part of yeah. the project and requesting you to submit. So you're you're already in the mix and you're already doing those large projects. But to get noticed in the, the those large project world, um, I mean, obviously if the if it's a hard bid scenario, that's that's purely cost based. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, there, there's, you know, probably making sure that you have a more competitive number in the hard bid scenario. That's a pretty easy recipe there. But if you're trying to break into the um, the negotiated world, the CMGC world um, of having large projects and kind of starting from that early on design um, with an owner, then I mean, there's a number of different ways you can go about about uh, approaching that. I would say. Number one is having a, a building relationship with whoever that developer and that owner is. Right. Um, you know, and hopefully you've done some work with them in the past so that they, you know, some smaller work. Uh, so they have that level of trust that they need in order to bring you into a larger project. Because um, obviously you don't have the resume yet, but this would give you that resume. Um, so I think a, a large part of that is building a relationship with that specific owner, that specific client, and showing that you guys have that dedication to this specific project. Um, and then kind of building that that rapport and that repetition that reputation of being able to do whatever that larger project is, just demonstrating that on a smaller scale to that to said client that says, hey, like we we can do X, y, and z and putting out, a, a a really like high-end um you know uh, rfp response that that shows and demonstrates what that what that would look like what would you i mean you've been in that space too john what would you say is a uh, a big differentiator yeah i think that's that's the first one is just make sure that you have a relationship pre-existing before the job is actually going out because if you um, if you receive an RFP and it's like we don't really have the resume to, to back this and you haven't really talked to the owner and laid it out ahead of time, you're not going to have a very good shot at it. Um, but I do think that um, most of you know, most of my background was in healthcare, and a lot of times you could get in with a system and say, OK, I've been doing work on your campus and doing smaller jobs, but now you've got a big job coming. You know. These are the things that that we would like to get involved in. How do we make ourselves successful there? And, and just ask yeah. the question about what do we need to do? Yeah. Um, I also think a lot of times, uh, and this is the the riskier part of it. Um, a lot of times, it might you might need to go and hire new people. Um, yeah. You might need to hire some additional resources that you can say, okay, well, our company might not have the resume as a company but we've brought in someone with the resume. And um, so I know that a lot of times we had success with, um, if you know, if you don't have like a, you know, a $200 million hospital on your resume as a company, if you hire a PM that does, okay, well now yep. we may not as a company have it, but we do as a, you know, he, he knows how to run this job and yep. we brought him into the fold specifically for you as a client because we value you. I think that can go a long way, um, hiring the right people. The mm-hmm. downside is you have to hire them before you get the job. And sure. That's, yeah. That's high that's risk, hard. high reward, high risk, yeah. you know, kind of things. That that reminds me, I mean, one of the things that we had done as a group as well is is joint ventures. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you have just to your to your um, example there, a hospital job that maybe you don't have the resume for that large, large, large ho- hospital job. Maybe you go find a GC that has some of that and you guys partner together and yeah. and figure out how to win the job i mean 
Uh, one of my biggest projects that I worked on was a, uh, um, if anybody's ever flown through Denver International Airport, that hotel and transit center right there, the Westin Hotel, you know, that was actually a tri-venture, we called it, because it was three different um, general contractors working on that project. And we were considered the kind of the local, um, you know, smaller GC, a part right. of that joint venture, because we had our fingers on the pulse of the subcontractor market, and we had a very strong self-performed concrete team. Uh, so we now have, we had that, We I keep saying we, um, you know, <laughs> my previous you, company had, the time. has that, yeah, um, they now have that project under their resume as, you know, a, a very, very large aviation, hospitality, transit yeah. center type project that now they can go after that type of work um, and elsewhere, maybe even standalone because they were able to joint venture with the team. So um, I've heard and seen a lot of our clients doing that type of joint venturing, um, you know, in order to get stadiums or large hospitals, you know, airports, um, you know. So I think that joint venturing is a huge piece of it, not only from a GC side, but also a, a subcontractor side. Yeah, I think that was uh, the, the JV strategy is definitely a good, strong one, especially if you're, um, you know, in a smaller market uh, like Dallas, it's a little bit harder to say, you know, we've got so many contractors here in Dallas, yeah. but if you're in a smaller town, um, you know, Waco and you want to, you're a local contractor, but you might not necessarily have the resume to build a, a big job there. You can partner with a firm out of a bigger city and you can then be the local expertise. You really bring something to the table and then the 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 horsepower can be driven by the larger contractor. There's a lot of different strategies to doing that. Yeah. I think that's a very viable solution. But again, that's going to require some pre-planning and some setting those relationships up early. Because if, you, if you're waiting until the RFP is out to, to start the JB discussion, you're probably a little too late. Yeah, that's, no. that's going to, you have to plan this well ahead of time. Very, very, very true. And even on the subcontractor side of things, I mean, um, I remember having a number of subs walk into our office just to network and introduce themselves and say, hey, we're new in the Denver market, but we've been doing X, Y, and Z over here. We've been hiring this and that. And, you know, we would just like an opportunity on your guys' solicitation list to to give us a shot, you right. know, and, and seeing, you know, just having that kind of FaceTime with with other GCs from across the region, you know, as a subcontractor, very, very valuable just to stay on bid lists, you know, get yourself a shot, get yourself an invite, um, and then, you know, figure out how you're going to partner with either some some other JV um, similar scopes or, um, you know, what that, what kind of qualifications you have for that specific project. Yeah, and I think on that same note is uh, make sure you always do the postmortem after yeah. you don't get the job. So yeah. if you pursue a large project and you end up not getting it for whatever reason, um, again, don't call the day after because uh, that's that's usually not great timing, uh, but but try to get something on the calendar uh, yeah. with, with the pre-con manager, with the pre-con executive, with whoever's can give you the information and you know be reasonable in your expectation in terms of what you're gonna ask for. Um, like I know I was more than happy to talk with everyone and I would give scorecards. I would give whatever feedback I could in terms of, uh, why you didn't get the job. And mm -hmm. I'm, uh, we got, we had the same kind of conversations with our owners. If we didn't get projects, we'd go and we'd have a, a postmortem with them and they'd give us feedback. Um, now you, you're never going to say, well, 
you were a hundred thousand dollars off on your bid, you know, we never gave that type of information, but we could say, Hey, they had a really strong superintendent and we want to make sure that, uh, you know, we wanted a really strong field presence. They have a much stronger superintendent than you did. And, yeah. or, um, you know, they, their PM had much more experience than you guys did. So that we got th that kind of feedback all the time. I think that's super valuable because that know yeah. that way, you know, okay, we need to shore up this area. And if you address it, then next time you have a much better shot at getting that work. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and I think it's um, kind of twofold with the approach from debrief with the subcontractor community and debrief with the general contractor community. If you're, you know, most time, if you're, um, you know, a, a, in, in the trade submitting a number, that's usually in, you know, more like a hard bid type scenario where you're you're bidding against others trying to win that work, right? For the most, most scopes. You know, unless you have like an early procurement, MEP, you know, um, right. structural steel kind of item where you can get in and start doing that legwork earlier, in which case another way to differentiate yourself is to, you know, we all talk about free con, you know, it's it's providing budgets and unit prices and information to either your GC or your owner, you know, at a at no cost to say, hey, we're, we're a partner, we want to be involved in this and obviously there's a line to be drawn in the sand at some point in time when you're submitting too much pre-con pre uh, but from a subcontractor side you know it's usually going to be here's kind of where the numbers shook out um and i i usually was never like hey yeah you were a hundred thousand dollars more i usually would give a range of a percentage right say like you know 10 to 15 percent high you know, if it, it was really tight. Here's what the differentiator was on this. They just had a little bit more experience in this market or, you know, they had a, a high, a, a bit more experienced PM, whatever it is, just like you were saying. Um, but also from the, the general contracting side of things, getting that debrief, because um, mostly in, this, in the CMGC or, um, you know, early on negotiated work side of things, it's not based off of costs as much. It's right. more based off of qualifications, relationships, um, plans. You know, I was even when I was um, starting to get removed from the space, you know, over just past a year ago, you know, you're if you're doing high end work, if you're doing really, really big jobs, um, the level of sophistication from that owner is much higher than, you know, the, the mid grade jobs you know, like those. Right. Those types of folks that are running hundreds of millions of dollars worth of projects, like they have a certain level of expectations that not a lot of owners have. And I feel like recently, and I'm kind of tying this into a point here, recently there's been more focus on being able to have some certain deliverables in the tech side that these guys are expecting, you know? Right. And, and I'll go so far to say like from a VDC standpoint, being able to do a 5D model or something like that, you know, being able to do something that is very, very highly sophisticated in the GC community that you only do for, you know, a few projects a year. Right. Um, but that's what it kind of takes to win and see and show like a lot of these major projects. So, you know, making sure that you're setting yourself up in the tech side to, to be able to stay relevant, to stay competitive um, is, a, is, a big, um, is a big point to make as well. Yeah, I think that's part of that relationship is knowing what the owner's seeking, uh, you know, because like you said, most of these, especially the bigger projects, the the very biggest of projects, they're not like they're interested in price, but most of the time they know that, you know, everyone will get to the price that you know, they, they need to get to eventually. Yeah. Um, 
what they need is the help to tell the story and how they want to tell that story, whether it's yeah. through um, extensive VE logs or budget control logs, or whether it's through a 5D model where they can show something sexy to their investors, or is it like um, Power BI dashboard? It's a live snapshot of the, the the pricing that they're getting every day. You know, there's something that is going to be their trigger that's going to set them off and yeah. and really uh, excite them about you being on their project. Yeah. And the hard part is finding what that is uh, in those conversations and then delivering on that. So I think For that's sure. that's really where that early kind of pre-mortem, even before you even go after the job, knowing what their target is, knowing what's important to them. And then being able to sell that when you walk into the room for that interview. Yeah, yeah, we used to call it the sacred cow, right? Like, what's the uh, what's the owner's sacred cow that they're really going to care about? You know, not only from because usually these large jobs, it's not just one person that you're going into an interview with. It's a panel right. of people, and to be able to find out as much as you can about each and every one of them, to speak and lay some breadcrumbs to each and every one of them that leads them to your selection. That's going to be that's going to be huge, you know, so I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Well, very cool. Um, I know that uh, it's been a lot of fun having you on this week and uh, but we're going to try to wrap it up now because we've got a lot of emails to get back through after, the, after <laughs> yeah. Thanksgiving break. So absolutely. But, uh, well, it's my pleasure, John. You know, as always, appreciate it. You know, anytime. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thank you very much for coming on, Grant. And as always, if, for all the listeners, if you have any other topics or would be interested in coming on the podcast, please email us at precongeek at beck-technology.com. You can also check out our website and uh, view some of the blog posts. Uh, Suzanne's doing a great job of making sure those are up to date and have a lot of good information on there. And uh, you can go to www.beck-technology.com and get all the information there. That's it for today, and uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch up with you next week.